My name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here at Horizon. Um, you might also know my wife, Erica. She's uh, out of town this morning. Uh, she officiated a wedding uh, for a family member up in North Carolina. She'll be back uh, tonight and I look forward to, to being in worship next week with us. Uh, today we are, are kicking off a new worship series uh, called Summer Reruns. And so we're uh, revisiting some stories that are, are fairly familiar to us. Uh, today we'll be looking at the story of Jonah. Um, and next week, Erica will be sharing with us from the story of the prodigal son. Um, oftentimes in the summer, it's that, that time where there's uh, less new shows on TV. And uh, w- one of my favorite uh, reruns to watch uh, is, this is like, I feel like a confession here. I could literally watch Law and Order like all day long. Like there's nothing better than hitting like that, that TBS Law and Order like marathon. I could just like veg out on that all day long. And the one thing I, I really love about watching Law and Order is, um, and I think why we probably tend to, to go to reruns, things that we already know a little bit about, is that the, the format of Law and Order is basically the same every show. There's some sort of crime that you get a little bit of details at the beginning. The police investigate, the lawyers then prosecute, and there's generally usually a conclusion at the end, and it's all rounded out in about a 46-minute episode. And I can expect that every time I turn it on, it's just enough of entertainment that it, it keeps my attention, but yet it's just like, it's familiar enough that I can like fa- take a nice nap in the middle of an episode and I don't really feel like I missed anything because I kind of know who it probably was and what's going to happen next. Um, but for Erica, and this probably comes as no surprise if you know uh, my wife Erica, her favorite television show to watch about this time in the summer, uh, it was popular probably like five, ten years ago now. Uh, is a show called Wipeout, and her favorite, oh uh, yes, uh, we got some fans of Wipeout, apparently we got more Wipeout fans than Law and Order fans in the crowd today, uh, so this was her favorite, like, obstacle in the show Wipeout, it's the big balls, there are a bit four large balls, that you had to navigate your way across the obstacles, and pretty much the same thing happened every time, and this is why Erica loved it, she just loved that the same thing was going to happen every time. And not only did the same thing happen every time, they gave you like four different angles and slow-mo replays of the same thing happening over and over again. And so needless to say, some person would, would attempt to cross these big bouncy balls and would jump from one to the other. And eventually at some point they would either face plant, belly flop, flip backwards. But nevertheless, they were gonna fall into the water. They were not making it across these obstacles. And Erica just absolutely loved this. She would probably be sitting on the front row right now if she was here, like, laughing. So you should be thankful that she's not here because it would be sort of awkward. Anyways, we expect that. We go to those reruns because we, we want our lives to have that consistency, that predictability, that the same thing is going to happen again and again. And so today we're, we're looking at the story of Jonah. And Jonah is that classic children's Bible story. It's probably one of the, the first Bible stories we, we ever uh, learn, we ever hear about. Um, if you've grown up in church, um, you've learned about it in Sunday school and in vacation Bible school. And even if you've never grown up in the church, it's, it's one of those stories that you still hear and know something about. And as soon as I say Jonah, you probably, the first thing that came to your mind was whale, right? Um, and if you're of a certain generation, you probably know the, the Veggie Tales version of this story well. Um, but the story of Jonah is, is so much more than just Jonah and a whale. Um, in fact, it's, I think, probably the, the best part about the book of Jonah is it's only four chapters. It literally is like 
oh, it's, it really is just two pages. Um, it's something that you can read. And, and so this week over on social media, I'll be sending out some ways that we can read the story of Jonah together in some smaller chunks. It's, again, like only four chapters. We can, you can get this done in a week and feel like you actually got something done and, and read some scripture. Um, and so the, the little bit of background on Jonah. Jonah, the book of Jonah w- was thought to be written about 700 years before Jesus. Um, but we don't know terribly much about Jonah. And so we s- we're starting here at, at chapter 1, verse 1. The Lord's word came to Jonah, Amate's son. And that's literally all we know about Jonah, that he's Amate's son. Um, and in the book of, uh, of 2 Kings, there's, there's a mention of a, of a guy named Jonah that's a prophet, but most scholars actually don't think that's the same person, that they're talking about the same person. The other thing that we always associate Jonah with being a prophet, um, but in the book of Jonah, in these four chapters, there's never any mention that Jonah is actually a prophet. It seems that, that he was really just a regular guy minding his own business when God shows up and begins to interrupt him. And that's what I, I believe this story ultimately is about. It's not about Jonah and the whale. It's about the story of God interrupting the rerun of Jonah's life. And so when we keep reading, the, war, the Lord's word came to Jonah, Amate's son, get up and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their evil has come to my attention. And so the invitation to Jonah here, the interruption to his rerunning his life is to get up and go to Nineveh. And Nineveh is the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. The Assyrians in 722 had uh, began to occupy Israel. And so at this point, they are the enemies of Jonah and his people. There was no way in the world that, that Jonah would want to go to Nineveh. There were no perks. It was far from home. There was great risk. Why in the world would he want to do that? It wasn't going to be easy. But God interrupted his life in that moment and said, Jonah, I need you to go share a word in Nineveh for me. And so often in our lives, we, we have interruptions. I think probably the most common is, uh, you know, you're at the, the family dinner and you're telling a great story and someone else chimes in in the middle of your story and you're just like, what? I didn't get to finish. And in those moments of interruption, we've got a choice. We can shift. We can make a change. We can go in a different direction. And every time we're interrupted, sometimes it's something that someone else created in our life. Sometimes an interruption is a creation of our own. Sometimes it's far beyond anything we control and it's just a straight up disaster. I can only imagine the, the interruption that we will face in a couple weeks on the 4th of July when the neighbors start setting off fireworks or maybe even the 5th of July when they still have some leftover fireworks and our dogs start barking about 8 o'clock. And our two sleeping children wake up to the dogs barking. And we're going to have to make a change, a shift. We're going to have to do something differently in that moment. And when we make that shift, we acknowledge that our story is not over. 
and we can go in a different way. And so when we keep reading in the story of Jonah, it says, so Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship headed for Tarshish. He paid the fare and went aboard to go with them to Tarshish, away from the Lord. So I don't know if you quite get this just from reading it, but this is some really funny stuff in it. So Jonah gets like half the, the question right to like go, leave your home, but go to Nineveh is what God said. And so Jonah goes, he goes somewhere, but it's not exactly where he was supposed to go. And this is where it gets really funny. If you, uh, I have a, a map for you here of, uh, so we have Jonah where he, where he starts from. He goes down to Joppa to get on a boat. And so Nineveh is uh, part of the Assyrian Empire. It's kind of, it would be where modern day Iraq is. But he gets on a boat here and he goes to the other side of pretty much the known world at that time. That was about as far away as you could possibly get. It's on what, where modern-day Spain is, is where most scholars believe where Tarshish is. And so Jonah was supposed to go one direction. It was a little bit of a journey, but it was still pretty close to home. But he goes quite possibly the opposite direction, as far away as you could go to get away from this. Instead of leaning into the new possibility of what God was trying to do in Jonah's life, he goes far far away and that's why i believe that this is ultimately a story about what not to do when god calls your life how willing are you for the life that you plan for to be messed up are you able to embrace those nudges where god begins to tap on your shoulder you know we often call these things a, a call in and of themselves, but I, I think we really, we often only think about those in the context of a job. Um, but these holy interruptions, these divine taps on the shoulder, are anytime God begins to redirect our life, begins to redirect our relationships, and it quite possibly be a redirection of our jobs and how we do it day to day. But how do we react to them? Do we do everything we can to avoid the interruption? For Jonah, running away was, was, was absolutely literal. But I think for many of us, sometimes running away can be emotional. Sometimes running away can just be spiritually running from God's call, God's tap on our life. And the thing is, running can work for some time in the short term. One of the funny parts about the story of Jonah is the, there's kind of like this literary thing going on here. I don't know if you got it. So when he, it says that he went down to Joppa and he found a ship that was going down to Tarshish. And then when the storm comes up on the ship, what does Jonah do? He goes down under the deck. He sinks down, down, 
eventually these, these decisions that continue to run, I, I really do believe, leads into a lot of self-destructive behaviors at times. And we make our situation worse. And running can work for so long. It can work for days. It can work for months. It can work for years, maybe even decades. But if God has placed an authentic call on your life, be responding to you can't run from it forever you can't run from the new life that god wants to offer you and the further that jonah got away the more intense the storm became in jonah's life and then when we we read at the beginning of chapter three again this this is just funny so the part that we know well is Jonah thinks it's over for him. The storm's his fault. And so the folks on the ship say, we're going to throw you over. And he's like, yeah, just throw me over. It's my fault. And he gets thrown over and he thinks it's the end. And he gets swallowed by the whale, the big fish. And after three days, the whale spits him out. And this is what Jonah hears. The Lord's word came to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to Nineveh, that great city, and declare, it, declare against it the proclamation that I am commanding you. He went through all that, being thrown overboard, thinking this is the end, three days in a fish, and now he smells like fish guts, and he's laying on a beach, and he ends up in the exact same sp spot he started with the same message, Jonah, go to Nineveh. I got some work for you to do there. Just go. Even after all that running, the call was still exactly the same for Jonah. And that's why this is a story about what not to do when God calls on you. And if you're serious about God doing something new in your life, about new possibilities, there, there's three things that we can learn from the story of Jonah. The first is, when God calls Jonah, he is nothing special. He didn't go to the school of the prophets. He didn't have a certificate, a certification to be a prophet. He was just a regular guy. God called just a regular guy named Jonah who was minding his own business. And I think we're often led to believe that God calls the holy and the pious and the righteous. And the holy and the pious and the righteous, we know, are not us, right? And that's someone else's job. But God calls just a regular person like Jonah. And the good news is that God wants to do something in everyone's life. Even a regular person like Jonah. The good news is God wants to do something in your life. And here's the, the thing about it is Jonah ended up being one of the most prolific preachers, I think, in all of history. He would probably have put uh, Billy Graham to shame. If you read on in chapter 3, he literally walks into the city. He, doesn't even, he still doesn't want to be there at all. He's not excited about going to Nineveh. He walks into Nineveh, and he preaches a one-sentence sermon. And I have to imagine it's a little lackluster, and he's not very excited. But yet... 
the whole city begins to repent. It's like wildfire takes off and folks are, are putting on sackcloth and rubbing themselves in ashes. And even the king finds out about this and orders that everyone repent and takes off. The second thing where we learn from Jonah, if we're serious about God doing something new in our life, is God is going to call us to face things that we don't want to face. For Jonah, that was Nineveh. Nineveh was the enemy. Nineveh was a place of risk. Surely, if this place was filled of evil, that they would not be really receptive. I'm just going to waste my time, God. Why in the world am I going to go all the way to Nineveh? And I'm sure there had to be part of him thinking maybe he doesn't even make it back home. We might kill him. God, there's no way I'm going to Nineveh. It's full of risk. I don't want to face it. For some of us, that thing that God might call us to face is that broken relationship. That relationship where we think that forgiveness is not even possible. There's no way, God that I'm going to fix that relationship. But that might be where God is calling you. God might call us to a place of new adventure. It might be full of risk. That might be the place where God is calling us to face something we don't want to face. It might be something that we're holding on tight. And there's no way we can ever imagine letting go what we're holding on to so tightly. God might be asking us to give up, to give it up. Give up that addiction, give up our greed, give up whatever is holding us back from saying yes to God. God's going to ask us to do something risky. Something that might disrupt the fine life we've already created for ourselves. So what's your Nineveh? Where is it that God's calling you that you might not want to go? But you keep feeling that tap, that nudge, that push. What are we going to do about it? How are we going to respond? Are we going to respond like Jonah and run? Maybe we're just going to avoid it, pretend like it's not happening. Maybe we just are going to build up so many fences and walls to maintain the life that we've already created. We're going to make the excuses, now is just not a good time, maybe later, God, I would do this. But we run because we feel unworthy. We run because we feel like we carry that past with us, that that's not who we can be. We run because we think we know better than God. We run because we're broken people that are scared to take the risk. Here's the thing, to respond is not easy, no way. If it was easy to have gone to Nineveh, Jonah would have gone to start with. Jonah was allowing God to mess up his life. And this is why following Jesus is hard. Because it's not always convenient, it's not always comfortable, but it's full of risk. And this is why we do it. Because it's a doorway to a new beginning. The goal of following Jesus is not predictability. The goal of following Jesus is not 
stability, the goal of following Jesus is not safety. The goal of following Jesus is not finding a good thing and doing everything you can to hold on and protect it. Finding Jesus is about finding a new doorway to the new, a new life, a new way of being, being a part of something that shines light and ignites change. And that's going to involve risk. It's going to involve adventure. So if we're serious about new life, if we're serious about new, lo- new beginnings, if we're serious about that new day that is on the horizon, you have to know that God wants to do something in your life. God will call us to face something that we don't want to face. And finally, responding then is a doorway, a doorway to that new beginning. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for this time. God, our our hearts so often are, are fearful, fearful of what could be and what might happen, that we don't want to risk it. We don't want to take a chance to step out, to step out and follow you, even when we've been tapped, when we've been nudged, when we've been pushed in a new direction. God, we pray today that you would give us boldness, courage, that we would have a faith that is fierce to take a step. Take one step today. One step today, God, that will push us closer to you, to shining light, igniting change in our lives and the lives of our neighbors. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.